yet. Hello and welcome back to the Couch Sheen Podcast. My name is Ryan Parker and I'm joined, as always, by Matt, draft expert, Chamberlain. How's it going, Matt? Pretty solid. You know, we're, we're counting down the days. We're recording on a Tuesday night. Mm. So in uh, 48 hours, give or take, we'll have our answers. Yeah, the draft is upon us. Free agency is upon us. Rumor season is here. It is. <laughs> yes, it is. It is just the most ridiculous stuff is flying around. Um, like Matt, I don't know if you saw this. We talked about a bit about this off air. Um, Eric Bledsoe might not be long for Memphis, but Philly would be among the teams to be interested in bringing in Eric Bledsoe. Uh, Matt, I'm pretty sure his agent put that out there, and Philly is like, no, we aren't. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, if you have Ben Simmons, you're just downgrading your version of Ben Simmons. It's like going from like Windows 10 to like Windows 98, you know? But you're not paying him $30 million. You're right. You just get exposed over and over and over again by Giannis and Trey Young in the playoffs. So when it matters, the business, uh, I'm just saying, uh, so that's kind of interesting, but that's, that's, we'll, we'll talk more about rumor season here in a little bit. Um, if you haven't already follow us on social media, on Twitter and on Instagram, you can search for us, uh, couch GM podcast, and you'll be able to follow us there. If you haven't already give us a rating or a view on the podcast platform of your choice with housekeeping out of the way. If you missed episode 117, we're on episode 118. These things are going to start cranking out really fast because this is our busy time of the year, Matt. Uh, We talked about new NBA head coaches, the ones we missed while we're talking about playoffs. And then we did draft preview part one. We talked about perimeter players. Matt broke it all down for me um, because I don't watch college basketball. I refuse to do it. It's a terrible, it's a terrible state right now. Kind of sucks. It is. I, I, I like feel sorry for you because I know you watch a lot of it and it, I don't know how you do it. I don't know. I would rather watch grass grow than watch college <laughs> basketball. <laughs> that would be a, a shorter process than the shot clock. <laughs> also, uh, probably um, take less time too because of how many fouls are called. It is just <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. Anyways. Um, getting into the news, Matt, we have a trade. We do. How exciting is that? We haven't heard those words in a long time. So the Grizzlies and Pelicans, uh, decided to swap some things and boy, oh boy, this was a trade. I was, uh, shocked. Capital S shocked. Uh, Memphis gets pick number 10, pick number 40, a 2020 future first round pick. Uh, via the Los Angeles Lakers, Steve Adams and Eric Bledsoe. New Orleans and returns return gets number 17, number 51, and Jonas Valanciunas. Uh, those picks for New Orleans are in this year's draft. M- Matt, uh, uh, thoughts? <laughs> Memphis better be doing this because like, they have like a small group of guys that they think are very talented and big draft prospects and they're betting one of them will be there at 10, which honestly I was thinking about this 
because he texted me this like as soon as it broke. It if Memphis is reportedly linked to two guys we talked about on our last podcast, uh, Josh Giddy from Australia, mm. Moses Moody from Arkansas. Mm. Again, if you didn't listen to the last pod, go check it out. Um, I mean, we already it feels like the draft is kind of like we know who the top seven are mm. roughly. The, between Kate Cunningham, Jalen Green, Jalen Suggs, Evan Mobley, who we'll talk about today, Jonathan Kamingo we'll talk about today, Scotty Barnes we'll talk about today, and then we talked about James Booknight um, last time also. So that seems to be the top seven in whatever order it goes. So, okay, so you traded up to 10. That means Orlando has another pick. They're probably mm. taking one of Moses Moody or Josh Giddy. it seems like. Mm. So, okay. Kings are at nine. Kings do not need another guard. They already <laughs> have Fox. They already have Halliburton. They could move Buddy Heald, but they, they can't spend a top 10 draft pick on another backcourt player. Right. So they're probably, all the reports are they're looking for bigger players. So... In theory, whichever one's still left, they're not going to take. And the other falls to Memphis at 10. Mm-hmm. If that's your bet, seems smart. You just better be right. And it seems like it will. You're also assuming here Sacramento doesn't trade out of nine. Probably a fair assumption. I think Kings fans would be pissed if they traded away a top 10 pick. So, Yeah, there's. I feel like there's going to be some movement at the top of this draft. And it, it's kind of going to be determined on... I feel like some Toronto stuff um, and that's going to be tricky because I'm sure Toronto wants to do like a sign and trade with Kyle Lowry, but you can't really execute that until after the draft. So it may be in their principle. Yeah. It may be in their best interest to pick a player like Scotty Barnes and just kind of make the rest work at some point and include his draft rights um, in a trade somehow. Sure. Um, sure. So that I'm sure that's something that the Grizzlies front office has taken into account in some effect. Like you have to, like you have to plan out these moves these other teams are doing, like you were saying. Right. I think and- Valanciunas was a good fit in Memphis, but I guess this is this was also them saying they didn't really have an interest in extending him and getting him a new contract. Sure. And that's the piece we haven't talked about yet. Players that are actually already in the NBA. Jonas Valanciunas is the best player traded. Like, in this draft. Even or Adam, in this trade, yes. Yeah, right. between yep. Adams, Bledsoe, and Valanciunas. Like, Jonas Valanciunas is clearly the best player here. Yes. Um, whether he gets the rec- recognition or not, he's been a top 12 center in the NBA for the last couple of years now. Mm-hmm. So... You're getting a good rebounder. You're getting someone who's been spacing the floor in New Orleans, which they desperately need. Defensively, he can guard the five, I would say. He doesn't provide quite the versatility you might want next to Zion, but neither did Steven Adams. So they're not downgrading there at all. I think I like the get for New Orleans in that regard. Maybe it was a little heavy what you had to give up to get him. But another part of this deal is they got off of significant money by trading both Adams and Bledsoe. So maybe that's where the Lakers first is really coming into play here. 
is yeah. now New Orleans has an extra twenty million in cap space to do something with Kyle Lowry. <laughs> Maybe, yeah, one hundred percent. This I think also clears some space for Alonso deal um, in some form or fashion. I also yeah. wonder. Um, I mean, that Lakers pick. I think you and I were talking about bef- before we started recording is that it's going to land somewhere between 26 to 30. So it's almost the second round pick. Like you're almost giving up a second round pick. And that's not why the or the Pelicans got all those Lakers picks, right? It right. It's the future, future, the far out stuff. Um, so I feel like they could sell on a couple of those picks. Something we might see Oklahoma City do as well in this draft. Um, yeah. But that's another point. Um, another topic, I should say. Um, I. It's interesting that Eric Bledsoe has just been relegated now to this like bench player. Like he's going to get bought out from Memphis. He's not staying in Memphis. That's been the report. Yeah. Um, his career has just been like from a potential cornerstone piece in Phoenix to being a part of a core in Milwaukee to now not even a starter in the league, it seems like. And same thing kind of with Steven Adams. Like, it's not like he's viewed – he's like your fifth starter, maybe even a bench yeah. player at this point, right? No, I think he can be like a fifth starter still. It's just he's filling a very specific role, you know? Right. And the money he's making, he's not giving you – the production you would see associated with that money, yeah. right? Like, what it's is he making? For, yeah, like, because he signed like the two year extension, like 35 million. So it's like he's just getting paid for past performance, but yeah. not by the team that he did the past performance for. Right. It's very weird. Usually that's not how it works. Um, I mean, hey, it's like he's a good culture guy, that whole spiel. This is also on Memphis's end, I think an acknowledgement of they're not quite ready yet. Mm. So like, they're like, we'll push for the eight, nine, 10 being generally competitive, whatever. But like, we're not, you know, we're to the point of like, we're not pushing for number six, right? Five, like in the Western conference standings. And there's an acceptance in that, but also like, we're going to develop and we'll ride this out long-term. Whereas mm. New Orleans is obviously in the, we got to get good now. Yeah. Right. And the pressure for Zion to win, because like, what if he doesn't sign the qualifying offer that New Orleans can give him and he plays on the qualifying offer uh, or does sign the qualifying offer, excuse me. And then he just becomes an unrestricted free agent. Like, that's the fear in New Orleans, I would imagine. Um, But I guess that's another topic for another time. They feel like they have two legitimate years left before. Things start getting a little rocky, right? And we've seen this play out with New Orleans before in recent history with Anthony Davis. Sure, yeah. And this is just their worst nightmare all over again. Unless Willie Green can come in as the new head coach. These couple moves and somehow make it all rosy and better that's so weird to me like i'm having to just readjust my brain like i was just used to getting 
uh, hearing and seeing Stan Van Cuddy as their coach. And now it's someone else. It is. Three, three coaches in three years. It's wild. It's wild. Um, last piece of news here. And then we're, well, second to last piece of news. We forgot one piece of news. Um, the Bradley Beal deal, Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan. Rumors are starting to heat up, Matt. Um, I think each signed with like four different teams at this point, Ryan, from what I've heard. Um, I don't know about you. <laughs> the Twitter, Twitter sphere is uh, just going crazy right now. Um, be careful what you believe in, people. Um, SGA has oh, been traded 16 times, I think. Um, yeah, I just so. don't believe that's a thing. Like, I don't think he's been offered in any trade deals. I, I have legitimately no idea. But, like, the six and Shea for number one, I don't get it. Six and Shea for, like, number three. You're, like, swapping like player types then. Like, you, you're you kind of just reset. It's dumb. It's all dumb. We're not talking about those dumb rumors, Matt. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then some other, other lesser names, like Kuzma, Alonzo, and Bagley have also been uh, mentioned in some trades, uh, potential things. One, we saw with like Kuzma and healed swapping straight up, um, which is, I guess, a win for the Lakers. You get shooting. Yeah. Sign and trade Kuzma for Buddy Healed. Although Sacramento can't do that deal, right? Like, What's the under over on Buddy Healed throwing bowls of soup in Los Angeles? Like, is it two bowls of soup? No. It Just one? High, right? Huh? LeBron won't let that happen anymore. <laughs> Maybe he would. I don't know. Maybe JR gets back around the team and he teaches some good soup throwing, you know, to the team. Um, anyways, last piece of news, Matt. And maybe the most boring piece of news that I'm ever going to bring to this, but uh, the Oklahoma City Thunders arena. I forgot about Paycom. <laughs> was <laughs> renamed the Paycom. What was that? Center? What is it yeah, called? I think so. Paycom Center. What a dumb name, you know? Like, I, it made top Smoothie King Arena or whatever it was called at the time. Right. right. Down in New Orleans. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I mean Sacramento no has, wrong. like, the Golden Chick Center. So, like, don't get me wrong. Oklahoma City is not exactly cool by any means. Nor is no. the Thunder cool. We're like Paycom. That's so boring. So generic. It's but, you if know. you don't know what Paycom is, it's an HR payroll system. <laughs> so the one of the most boring teams in the NBA. On top of that, now has this huge, massive deal, naming deal, with one of the most boring subjects on the fa- face of the earth. Like you can't look at me in the eyes and tell me that Paycom is interesting. Paycom Center <laughs> is interesting. Well, it's like the thing is like some businesses you can really play on it and like, you know, do some cool marketing or branding stuff like off of like the name. And there's there's not a lot of options here. You know, all the all the Thunder halftime games are going to be, you know, when a twenty five dollar gift card or like something like that now. <laughs> uh, An all expense paid trip to like San Antonio or it's wherever. <laughs> to 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 like uh six flags six flags <laughs> to eureka springs arkansas 
that's 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 where I was this weekend. Do a nice (laughs) little float trip there, you know? Sure, sure, whatever you want to say. It's not the all inclusive stuff. I mean, like whatever. It's a it's a name for arena, but it's still pretty lame. I'm I'm anti. I wanted the Velvet Thunderdome, Velveeta Thunder Thunderdome. That's what I wanted. Should have just been a part of it. Could have been the Paycom Thunderdome. You know how cool that would have been? Thunderdome. We would be winning a championship next year, but, you know, <laughs> Sam Presti doesn't want that, I guess. Anyways. Oh, wow. Let's sign up for that. Um. <laughs> if he doesn't want to go back, what 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 is the Raptors, like, fan area outside of playoffs? It's Jurassic Park. Is that yeah. what it's called? Yeah. I, I don't know if there's any way the Thunder can compete with that. Probably not. Probably uh, not. Especially anyways. not as the Paycom Center. Um. Let's talk so, about draft. Let's talk about some real basketball things. <laughs> I'll say we went on a little side thing there. Um, yeah, so we'll do part two. We're only doing two parts for the draft this year just because of life and finals and stuff. Um, last week, or yeah, I guess it was technically last week, a few days ago, we did part one where we talked about perimeter players, as we mentioned previously. Again, all guards, wings, players who traditionally play like the one, two, three. Um, and they can interchange between those positions. That was the focus of the last pod. This pod focuses on what we call forwards and bigs. So guys that can move between the three, four or the four, five. So these are traditionally your taller six foot eight and up players. And maybe even guys who play at small ball center. Again, while we talk talked about more guys in the last pod than we will today there's still value in this part and if anything we've talked a lot about how these guys are super hard to come by the six eight skilled guy um kate cunningham we included him with the guards because he truly is a guard even though he is a taller um prospect or some of these guys are really forwards or bigs Mm -hmm. um so we'll make those distinctions as we go we'll give quick names to know and um, quick breakdowns um because while names at the top of the draft most people are probably familiar with at this point there still might be some guys um in this lottery and down through the first round that still don't have a lot of either exposure to or knowledge about so that's going to be the idea of this pod so we're going to start with the two guys at the top so the biggest of the names is Evan Mobley out of USC. And then also Jonathan Kaminga, who played in the G League this past year um, for the Ignite, along with um, Jalen Green, who we talked about in the last pod. So real quick, Evan Mobley, seven-foot center. He's thin, but people do believe he'll fill out more so. Mm-hmm. Great shot blocker, good rebounder. Kind of a nice passer, not, you know, not Jokic, but a nice passer. Um, Has flashed some perimeter skill, an occasional, um, like, oh, that shot looks like something that you can really, really work with. Um, There's a lot of physical gifts here to work with. But Mm. I think that's probably his best skill set at this point. He he runs very well. He moves very well. He can defend inside and outside. So that's his calling card right now is he can legitimately switch. He can legitimately, 
you know, block shots, protect the rim, weak side, or, you know, just as the primary shot blocker. And then on offense, he gives you a little more than just a pick and roll dive fan um, with a real potential to, to do more in his game. And then Jonathan Kaminga, six, eight ish, six, seven, six, eight, somewhere in there. Um, forward, <coughs> excuse me, very well built. Like just, it's the typical NBA body. It's like everything you would want if you're building a player in a lab in terms of athleticism, body type, physique. He, he's got every one of those um, check marks next to his name. Skill wise, Still a lot to develop with him, to be honest. He is one of the younger players in this draft. Um, he hasn't turned 19 quite yet, I don't believe. So he's the age of a typical freshman. He wasn't supposed to be playing in the G League this year, honestly. He still had one more year. He was going to do it at a prep school. Decided very late in the process to reclassify, skip the prep school year, just go straight to the G League. It's probably what he's going to do anyway. So he was mm-hmm. like, why spend the extra year of prep school? Just going to yeah. go straight to the G League. Totally get it. If he would have stayed in next year's draft, there was a very real discussion. He was going to be the number one pick in that. So he's very talented. There's a lot still to work with. If you watch any G League Ignite games, if you watch the first couple of games, people started having the discussion of, oh, crap, is he like in the Cade tier? Mm. Season went on for them. And as came back down to earth a little bit of, okay, he's not Cade. He's not in that group, but he's still a top five player. As of recent, it seems like his stocks slipped. Um, As many people have started noticing, some people have him closer to like eight now, maybe nine. Mm. I still have him at five. Again, this feels a little bit of the, we're thinking too much about this Mm. guy. Um, really interesting backstory with him of like, he's only been in the States for like a handful of years. Um, he actually came over with just his brother. So it's just him and his brother that have been navigating this whole thing. Um, his brother's a college. Uh, yeah. I went to college to play basketball. I think at UNLV he transferred um, so that he's had no family guidance, no help through those last five years of finding high schools, finding AAU programs He's done it basically all on his own. So, wow. Wow. Shouts out to Kaminga. I get like the, uh, maybe he doesn't really understand who he is as a basketball player. Like, you know, he thinks he's LeBron. He's probably more Jalen Brown right now. But like, he's got real potential that like he just, it feels like he just needs a coach, mm. a real development system, a real coach to work with him, grow him, and I think he's going to get there to where, like, at the end of the day, we're going to look back and be like, of course he was a top five pick. Mm. Mm. If you think he's going all the way to eight, I, maybe even nine, Sacramento, like, he, there's no way he goes that, goes that far. If for no other reason, the biggest point we always talk about, he plays the most valuable position, the six, eight, who can rotate between the two, three, four. And it built like a person you would build in a lab. Mm. You can't teach that stuff. Like he's, he's the guy. Um, He would be the guy in next year's draft, potentially 
let's not knock him too far here. I like James Booknight. I like Josh Giddy. I like Moses Moody. They're not going – they can't go above Jonathan Kaminga. You know? Yeah. Maybe there's some discussion for guys we'll talk about um, here in a few minutes, but Jonathan Kaminga's out. He's not going past six. There's no way. Um, so I heard you mention Jalen Brown in the Kaminga comp. Um, what what are your comps for these two guys in Mobley and Kaminga? Um, because these are the top two, right? Yeah. I would say on my draft board, again, I value the wing guard players a bit more just because of, mm. you know, player type. So Mobley's currently sitting at four on my board and Kaminga sits at five. So, yeah, I'm still very high on them. I wouldn't totally knock a team for taking Mobley like two or three, you know, but maybe not what I would do, but I can't super knock it. So who do they remind me of? I mean, if you fully believe in Evan Mobley, like, like Bill Simmons was like all on Evan Mobley. You know, and like some other guys, they're like they think he's legitimately in the Cade tier. You only think that if you think like he has real Giannis potential. Mm. Like he can be a give him the ball eighteen feet from the basket and let him just go to work. I don't think I quite see that for him, but like, and honestly, like that's not fair to compare him to Giannis. Like that development track, what he became, what he is. Like it's like when you compare guys to Steph Curry and LeBron James, like you just can't do that. That's like not fair, but like, that's the idea if he develops that. And I get it. You probably have to be a little more realistic. He's going to be better than the Jarrett Allens of the world, the Clint Capellas of the world, where it's more so just, you know, run and jump bigs. But I know they're not the same body type, like exactly. But if you think you're getting the at least the same player of Bam Adebayo Mm. like can really defend can really switch can rebound can block shots he can do some passing stuff on offense um some DHO stuff and if you think the shot can over time develop like that's what you're looking for Bam is obviously a built a little bigger than Mobley in terms of girth but he's not actually any taller than him by any means so and he's a couple inches shorter. So if you think Evan Mobley, like in terms of his game, is Bam out of bio, like that's a that's a good pick, with maybe even more upside to be closer to whatever Giannis is. Mm. It's not fair, but if you think he can be like that in between those two type of guys, sure. It, you know, you are also betting on him in either situation, putting on significant weight. Yeah. I mean, he's, 210 right now like if and it's reasonable in the nba strength and conditioning you think you can get him like 230 235 and still playing the way he plays i get it again i think he's a very immensely talented defender with real offensive potential like the shot looks fine so the thing with comparing him to the Giannis type guys chris bosh you hear a lot for him Mm, yeah is there's at no point like in Chris Bosch's college career did he ever score zero points in a game, right? Yeah. Like that would never happen to like Chris Bosch in college. You're not seeing even Bam Adebayo like in Kentucky. Like he wasn't, you know, 
putting up two points a game and like games here and there. And now Evan Mobley like did end up averaging like 16 and a half, eight and a half rebounds, couple assists. Like he did, you know, have perfectly fine averages, but it's like, I don't know when you're playing Utah and you're putting up three points on all free throws, like, and I know it happened once he put up nine points against UCLA on six shots but there's a lot of 10 and 11 point games in there. You don't, you don't put up 10 and 11 point games, you know, in conference right. play on five shots. Mm-hmm. You can knock USC's team a little bit for that, but like, come on. If you're, if you're that level of trajectory for like Giannis, which again, I don't think he is, but if that's what you're betting on him being by having him number one or two on your board, they're not doing that, you know? Right, right. There better, there better be a some switch flipped that you really bet on, or there's better be a, an immense amount of skill that just didn't get to be displayed at USC that I just I don't have the knowledge of. But as far as I've heard, like it looks good, it looks, but it looks developmental on the offensive end still. Kaminga, gotcha. I did throw out Jalen Brown. Personally, that's a comp I really like for him especially like if he goes into the NBA with a mindset like Jalen Brown did of like, I know I have to get better. And like every year gets a little bit better. But if he goes in the mindset of like, I'm on the, you know, again, not throwing out LeBron as a comp, but like if he, that's his mindset of like, I'm in that tier of player, that class of player, I would be worried about him. Right. Um, but you know, he's everything you would want in like a six, eight scoring two-way wing like in theory if he hits it's Paul George if he Mm. hits you know the highest end would be like Kawhi but I think Paul George like if he hits is a pretty good one for him of like he can like he's willing to put the ball on the floor Mm. but you know Paul George has really become a fantastic three-point shooter including not there yet Again, I don't like the shot looks terrible, but it's not there yet. So if you think that's the mold of him, which I really do think he could be in a really effective two-way player um, in that vein, then, you know, Jalen Brown, Paul George, whomever else you want to come up with, that's in that similar 6'7", 6'8", two-way wing build. I very much get it. I think I lean a little more Jalen Brown just because I don't know if he'll ever get to the impactfulness and feel that like Paul George got to, but like, that's still a lot of talent and a really good player in NBA with obviously all the tools to do even more than that. It's just, we get it out of him or not. Mm. And that that's probably why Jonathan Kaminga has in some minds slipped is because you do have to wonder like, does fit like where he goes impact him a little more than those like top four guys like Suggs and Green and Cade and Mobley whereas those guys just go anywhere and they're probably going to be whatever it is they're going to be yeah that's a that's a great point um it it's so you have them going back to back Toronto four Orlando five is there is there any hesitancy with those guys fit in either of those spots, like I would Toronto be, love Mobley. Toronto yeah, wants Mobley. Toronto just, for sure would be a great fit for Mobley, but Kaminga no going to Orlando sounds 
just like another wing they're taking a chance on. Yeah. I, I don't know what Jamal Mosley is as a coach. You know, their new hire, we talked about him last week uh, briefly. I don't know what he, like what his thing is as a coach, you know, I don't know what he's going to run. I don't know stylistically what he's going to do. I don't know how, like how he's going to project out whoever they pick at five, whether it's Mm -hmm. Kaminga or someone else. I, in theory, Orlando still needs players who can do stuff with the ball in their hand. Right. You know, through all these draft picks and things, acquiring Markel Fultz, they still need guys who can do stuff with the ball in their hands. And if you think Kaminga can legitimately get to the Paul George level, like Paul, you can give Paul George the ball and get out of the way. Yeah. Maybe not super duper consistently, but you can. Then like it, it still kind of makes sense as but that might not be the situation I would want him to go to, you know, right. Oklahoma City at six. Like if he falls, I would get that one. Also, Mark Dagnalt seems to be really big into development and trying to get them to play the right way. Buy in on the defensive end. That's another thing with Kaminga looks like a great defender. When you just look at him, if you watch his highlights can look like a really good defender but he gets into a lot of the same stuff we got into with LaMelo last year as a defensive prospect of like, I need you to care. Yeah. Right? And LaMelo got to the league, cared. It was at least passable. Yeah, yeah. On defense. Ringo should be a lot better than that. Um, but it takes legitimate effort to do that. And maybe Dagnall could do it. Cause he's getting a whole bunch of dudes who maybe shouldn't even be in the NBA to play hard. So maybe you could do the same with Kaminga, but I really don't think Kaminga gets past six at OKC. Mm. So now moving on to like the rest of the lottery um, and into the teens here. So a a pretty decent sized group of guys here. Um, So Scotty Barnes is the name we haven't really talked about yet out of Florida state. Um, We'll come back to him in just a minute. So there's also a guy who I really like a lot more than others, at least somewhat more, is Trey Murphy out of Virginia, Franz Wagner out of Michigan, Jalen Johnson out of Duke, who had a very um, controversial uh, tenure there, <laughs> Kai Jones out of Texas, Usman Garuba from Spain, and Alperin Shangun from Turkey. So... There's a lot of differing opinions on this group of players, but we'll start with Scotty Barnes. Some people have moved him above Kaminga on draft boards because he's 6'9", 7'2", wingspan, legitimately defends one through five. Like, he's incredible. It's like, just to throw the name out there, everyone's saying it. It's the Ben Simmons thing. The point forward, super long, defends everybody, rebounds, pushes in transition. But for the love of God, he can't shoot. <laughs> no. And there's there it is. There's the there shoot drop. He's never shot well. High school, prep, whatever. He's never shot the ball well. And it's not like the form looks bad now. It's because mm-hmm. it's legitimately gotten better, the form. But it's still not going in. So... Again, if you really, really think it's going to go in at some point, like either catch and shoot threes and or off the dribble pull-ups, I get the hype. Mm. 
I, I just, it's hard. You've never shot it. If you have never been able to consistently make jump shots in games, why is it going to start happening when you're at the NBA? And 20 oh. years old or whatever. Yeah, yeah that's fair. It, do you think, I mean, not to get into comps too far already, it almost sounds like a Draymond Green type player, I think more so be, than Ben Simmons. If Because that's the thing. It's everyone, when he got to Florida State, was like, he's a point guard. Mm. It's like, he's not a point guard. He's not a point. He's a wonderful passer. But I'm not giving him the ball for 50 straight possessions and saying, create. Run the offense, know. whatever. Yeah. So it, I think the Draymond role for him is the perfect role. You know, bring the ball up every now and again. You can really just give him – you can give him the ball with 16 seconds left on the shot clock and then run off-ball actions all day for everyone else. He'll find them. He'll see it. Whatever. He's not going to greedily shoot, you know, when that's not what the team needs because he won't shoot. Um, I, and then, you know, it's hard to compare anyone to Draymond defensively in terms of, like, the IQ – but from everything I've heard is it's like, if there's anyone that's going to do it, it's going to be Scotty Barnes. And he's got mm-hmm. a much better body and athleticism build to do it than Draymond did. I, I love the idea of Scotty Barnes. I, I just, if I'm going to, at the end of the day, be an NBA GM and I know I can develop strength in players pretty easily, but, developing shooting is much harder to do it would lean me to take someone like book Knight, for example over scotty barnes interesting or, okay or, honestly for me i would i would take moses moody over scotty barnes just because moody's like if moody's six six with a seven foot seven one wingspan barnes is six nine with a seven two wingspan you know, Moody's guarding twos, threes, fours, and he can switch on ones and fives and hold up. Like, okay. Barnes can legitimately guard one through five. Barnes is the better passer. Like, I fully know that. But Moody is miles ahead of him in terms of shooting. Ironically, these guys were uh, high school teammates at Mount Bird. Um, you see, so oh my gosh. Is that, yeah, hold on. Is that the same? Yeah, okay, Kate. That's the Cade, um, Moody, Scotty Barnes thing. Yep. Um, Moody is light years ahead in terms of shooting. Mm. I I would take Moody. That's me. That's my philosophy. I totally get the Scotty Barnes hype. I hope it works for him. Seems like a super nice kid. Does everything the right way. Looks like an NBA basketball player. There's. It's hard to get over the shooting, though. It's right. really hard to get over it. So it's like without it, if it never comes around – We've we've seen the pigeonhole that this kid's guy's in, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Draymond is a wonderful basketball player. You know, Scotty Barnes is going to make an All Defensive Team or or a few in his career. Okay. 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 You can have that, I guess. Well, I think unless you're doing it with Steph Curry, Clay Thompsons of the world, it doesn't really end up mattering all that much. Well, I think that's kind of to your point is like we saw this kind of play out with Rudy Gobert to a lesser extent in that, like he won defensive player of the year. Their team got bounced in the second round. 
like yeah. it, it's not exactly the same player, but it's kind of the same idea of player, like defensive stopper. Can't well, we saw the Ben ball. Simmons, like he couldn't stop Trey Young. And yeah, it's, if you're going to be out there, we need you to stop them. The best saying. scorer on the other team, no matter yeah. really what position. And, yeah. I just, and maybe Scotty Barnes help you win five more regular season games, or then come playoff time. I just, like you have to be Giannis level defensive player in terms of moving here, there, and everywhere. And then also you have to be able to like maybe not to Giannis's level on offense, but like you have to be able to contribute on offense. It, it's hard to be at that level defensively and still contribute on offense, let alone like the Giannis level. I, again, I love the idea of Scotty Barnes. He would have got drafted top three, you know, 10 years ago. Mm. It just feels like I he's there's just something missing here. I don't know. If the shot comes around, all the power to him. Um, but let's talk about some other guys. Um, before we go on too far with Scotty Barnes, the next Oklahoma <laughs> City draft pick. Um, yes. Trey Murphy out of Virginia, 6'9". He's a junior. Actually played his first two years at Rice. Um, only played this past year at UVA. Knockdown shooter, 50-40-90 guy. Um, very, very talented scorer. He doesn't do a ton off the dribble, but he also plays at Virginia, so I don't think anyone's allowed to dribble there. So that's kind of the problem. Um, what is dribbling? <laughs> but in all seriousness, there was some criticism of like, okay, if he's so good, why didn't he take over more at Virginia? It's like he scored like 17 a game. Like at Virginia, they only score like 60 points a game. Like <laughs> there's not a lot of points you score. The context um, there is different. Yeah. I, he's 6'9", like 210 pounds. He for someone that like he's a shooter, he like dunked the ball like 50 times this year on like, and some of them are like powerful dunks. So I'm not saying he's like the greatest athlete by any means, but like, I think he's going to be at least average NBA athleticism. He's willing to play the four. He's able to play the three. He can really, you know, rebound for you if you need. He like he's a good teammate. He's a willing passer. He's not like a pick and roll ball handler passer, but he's a good passer. He knows the extra pass. If he learned mm-hmm. learned anything at Virginia, it's that. Um, and he's openly said, "I never had to play defense before I got to Virginia, because, you know, <laughs> why not?" <laughs> um, and he's like, "I really have learned how to play defense this year." So he's like, "I've really embraced that." Also, one of these really late bloomers. If you're wondering why he got to Rice. He was like six two, um, going into his senior year of high school, and now he's six foot nine. So that's his. It. I, I'm just looking at scrolling through like Google images, pictures of him, and it looks like his wingspan's like I don't know what seven, seven feet. Yeah, yeah. So long arms. So that shot, it's very high up. Like it's a good looking shot. It it is. Um, but yeah, it's it's hard to block. He. <laughs> I think he's a guy who can do shooting off catch and shoot off motion. Um, if you think you can develop at least some simple pick and roll ball handling um, ability and, and scoring, I think there's some value there. That's just kind of untapped right now. And then defensively, I think I'm just kind of betting he's going to be at least average on mm-hmm. defense um, with potentially better, like considering how much better he's gotten. 
you know, these last three years, he really walked into Rice and was not like a great player, to be honest. His first year worked his way up. The second year kind of became like the dude there. Came to Virginia. He planned a red shirt. He did not like intend on playing this year. Ended up needing him to play. Played. Played very well. I, To be honest, there's, you know, one other dude on that Virginia team who might get a second round draft pick as just like a shooting specialist, catch and shoot. Sam Hauser, that Virginia team is not full of pros by any stretch of the imagination. Like, out, it's because of their scheme and Trey Murphy that they were like good Decent. this year. So, I think if you're drafting him, even though he's already 21, it's because you think there's a lot more he can do that he just hasn't got to do yet. And I like him. Mm-hmm. I I'm higher than most from what I see. I I have him at 10. I think he's just a dude these guys are hard to find you got to take a shot on them at some point i but for the most part i think he's kind of crept up now most people have him between like 15 and 21 now mm-hmm. so i'm not too far off but he's gone from 25 to 35 and just slowly made his way up the draft boards um kind of couple of from what you're describing, it almost sounds like a Mikel Bridges type situation. I mean, not as yeah. good of a defender, but like. But man. he's a be- he's a much better shooter. I'd say he's a, a better shooter today than Mikel Bridges is today. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know. This is some weird like Cam Johnson, Mikael Bridges hybrid. You know, Cam Johnson's a name that's been thrown out a lot for him. Mm. Um, but, I, you know, but he's also coming into the league like two years younger than Cam Johnson was. So. <laughs> maybe, there's, maybe there's more there than you you think there is mm. so i would take a pretty early bet on trey murphy um franz wagner another guy who's getting a lot of top 10 love out of michigan six nine really more of a three four um but an excellent defender he's like the ultimate i know where to be defender he doesn't do any one thing great to be honest so he's probably like the highest guy on just about everybody's board where he doesn't have an incredible skill. I guess if you count like general defensive IQ as a skill, that like that's his thing. He's athletic. Like he's going to be an average NBA athlete, but he's athletic. He knows like where to be perfectly to get steals, block shots, make the right rotations, all that jazz. Like everything you would ask for for a player. He knows where to be. He knows what to do. So there's definitely some appeal in that. Offensively, shot looks good. I don't think his offensive role though is ever going to be much more than catch and shoot threes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, play a little of the dunker spot. He'd be good in a short roll pick and roll system, um, letting him make decisions from like the elbow. But you know, he's never. If you're thinking of like a wing forward who can run pick and roll, he's probably not doing that. Right. But um, at the NBA level, at least not much. But if you think he can be a really good short roll guy finisher you know, under the basket. Franz Wagner can definitely be your guy. He's going to be an incredible glue guy, incredible culture guy for you. That's why Sacramento, I think everyone wants Sacramento to take him just because it's like you need guys like that on your team. I don't know if Sacramento is actually going to take him because that's usually not what Sacramento does. But that's who everyone wants Sacramento to take. It's like that guy's just going to help your franchise have a level of competence that Mm. you still otherwise have. Right, you know, there's value in that. There is. Um, I is it worth a top ten pick? I don't know. 
is it worth a late lottery pick like 11 12 13 14 yeah sure you know um you're kind of looking for those flyers anyway at that range yeah yeah um you know you're probably not getting a star there anyway so if you mm-hmm. can get a someone who you think can be a ten-year NBA starter, you it's know maybe value. never more than the fourth guy, it's still good value, right? So Jalen Johnson's the a big swing guy. The next um, few guys are all kind of big swing guys, depending on who you ask. So Jalen Johnson only played a handful of games at Duke. It's kind of the James Wiseman thing. Um, played early, got hurt, not really to be seen again. He's got a lot of criticism because. Um, it doesn't seem a lot of people don't seem to love the way he handled the situation with Duke of like, I'm coming back. I'm not coming back. I'm coming back. I'm not coming back. Like in terms of playing, not years, mm-hmm. like just playing this year, he went to, what was it like three different high schools? So they're like, are we, is he committed? You know, can we sign him up and give him a four-year deal and, you know, feel like we're going to get consistently the best Jalen Johnson. Every interview he's done, you know, in this past month that I've seen has been like, I needed to step away. It, it wasn't working there. I wish it would have. I've really tried to work on, like, the actual skill of my game because I've realized it really wasn't where I thought it was. Gotten a lot better. Apparently, in every team workout he's gone to, he's just shot the cover off basketball, even though it's not something he was necessarily known for. Like, his percentages are good because it's on such low volume, uh, you know. Yeah. Right. But again, another one of these Scotty Barnes build type of guys where it's like, God, you're like six nine, six ten, shredded and just like and really whip the basketball around. You're not a point guard, but you can really whip it around. Mm. It you gotta take a shot at him at some point. He's not as good at defense like defensively as Scotty Barnes. Um, maybe because he doesn't see the game the same way or put in the effort, but Again, it's kind of that Kaminga Barnes thing. Of like, you look like an NBA basketball player. You have enough skill to prove, like, you 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 need a shot in the league. But I've seen him everywhere from eight to twenty five in the draft. Like, you, I have no idea where he's going to go at all. So, I he's the type of guy that Sacramento takes a shot on traditionally. You know, mm, well, right. I, I don't know, but he's, he's that type of guy. So we'll see. I don't know. I don't know what to do with him. I I love the idea of him, but it's I'm worried it's just an idea at this point. Mm. Um, Kai Jones mm. out of Texas, intriguing big man, super athlete. I mean, you could tell me like he could switch two through five and he's like 611 240 pounds like he can really move um god he's raw still from like alaska played two years at texas like didn't really <laughs> play much his first year and even the second year the minutes were limited partially because of fouls partially because texas's roster was so big man heavy mm-hmm. um there's a lot to work with the shot looks good um it like at one point it was like at 60% from three and like, wasn't dropping obviously did drop to like normal, like 35 ish percent or whatever, but man, there's a lot of skill there. There's a lot to work with, but he's going to need some time. Again, he's another one. 11 to 24, 25. 
it's all it's him and Jalen Johnson are kind of at the same boat. Kai Jones, because he's so raw still, but you just see the run and jump athleticism with the jump shot and the way he moves. And you're like, there's that's an NBA basketball player. Mm. Like that's everything you could ask for. Just he can't do it consistently yet. If, but if you think you can get him there, you're going to get an absolute steal in the draft. But if he doesn't mm. work out, yeah, I wouldn't it's be shocked. Not, there. You know, it's not going to look good. Yeah. Um, Usman Garuba, some people saw him um, for Spain when they played the U.S. in the Olympic. Um, was that like, that was just an exhibition game? Yeah, exhibition. Um, they're like, oh, he's guarding Kevin Durant. Um, welcome to the Olympics. You know, it's like he's 6'8", 6'9", 230. I mean, again, a super um, similar to Jones. Like, he moves so well. Like, he as much as Barnes and Mobley are incredible defenders, Garuba might be the best of them um, defensively in terms of inside, outside, can guard, whatever you need me to guard type of guy. Maybe not on ones, but, you know, he's incredible at, at you know, defending the rim. Um, he's His problem, though, is offense. It's like he doesn't do anything on that end. He's started to show in games some three-point, like, catch-and-shoot from the corner potential, um, mm. whereas – Going into the year, there was none of that to be seen at all. He's shown it off some lately. Again, you're kind of taking a, a swing here, but, you know, right towards 13 to 20, though, he's going somewhere in that range. He's not falling as far as Kai Jones or Jalen Johnson might, but I also don't think he's going that top 10. Maybe Charlotte's like, that's our center, and says we'll take him at, where they have 11, but I don't, there were some people who thought he was a top 10 pick. He's not a top 10 pick, um, but he could be a very good NBA role player, you know, fifth starter with some potential to be a little more than that. I just don't ever see the offense coming around. And the guy I saved for last year was Alperen Shangun um, out of Turkey. He's, he scores the basketball in Turkey. We know that. <laughs> Um, yeah, it, I, I talked to you a little bit about him, um, previously. He's all over the board. Some mm-hmm. people have him in that, you know, Kaminga book night tier. Some people have him at like 20, 23, 24, mm-hmm. somewhere in there. It, I think it's really, you're, you're either betting on, the skill he's shown, which is like traditional low post big man skill, right? Becoming and developing into much more, or you're like, I just don't see athleticism. I don't see it ultimately coming around on the defensive end and the offensive end. Is he ever going to get past 15, 18 feet? Mm. I think that's a little more where I'm at. If I had to lean one way, to be honest, um, you know, if Oklahoma City wants to take him with one of their two mid-first-round picks or... 16 or 18. Pick, yeah. You know, Memphis has 17. If Washington falls at London, 15. But, like, Kevin Pelton for ESPN put out the, like, the wins above, you know, replacement or whatever, mm-hmm. like, ranking. Yeah. And, like, Alperin's Shangun was, like, number one. And, you know, it's not like his actual opinion. It's just, like, what the numbers say. 
but like and it was like far like he was like double Cade Cunningham who was number two and it's just like okay you know like but it's different it's different once you come to the states we've seen that with Olympic basketball if anything like it's not the same game international and, and NBA he can't you know sit down there and take seven dribbles in front of the rim and then give a baby hook like that's just not gonna fly anymore he's shown some better athleticism. He's actually lost a lot of weight. Um, mm. I want to say it was like three years ago. He was getting closer to like 280, pushing 300. And he's brought it back down to like 240. Really lost like 20 pounds this past year. So if you think like there's athleticism there, that's just kind of being hidden by the the flubber a little bit. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I get being a little higher on him. There's some passing potential there. Um, not Jokic level again, emphasizing that, but like there's like Nurkic level passing potential mm. there. I get it. I I think my biggest word is ultimately on defense. He feels like a five at the NBA and he can't play defense. Like he really doesn't move that well. He's not gonna protect the rim all that well at the NBA level. Turkey is one thing, NBA is another. I, if anything, I think if his higher percentage chance of is being Ennis Canner. I was about to say that's the name that popped in my that's head. What Not it to is, compare you know, guys from Turkey, but big white guy from Turkey. But like, <laughs> you know, most of his offensive works inside, rebounding, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Defensively, just kind of gets roasted. But he's nice to have in situations or moments where you just like we just need a bucket. Yeah, just throw the ball, get them or teams that you go ultra big on, which there are some teams you can do that with. Yeah, it's just again his value ten years ago way higher than it is mm-hmm. now. It's the league has changed. It's a different game. Ask any NBA center; it's not the same thing it was for better or for worse. It's true. Even with the Bucks, you know, kind of rolling out this big team this past year, it works because you have Giannis. Like you know. And right. most teams don't have Giannis. Mm. Such a good point. Um, so uh, you kind of mentioned throughout what you were running us through there that there was just like these guys are kind of just all over draft boards. Like there's not really a consistent theme with these guys. Um, what, you know, what swings these guys up or down draft boards for you? So I think with this position type, we're talking about the forwards and bigs. I think what we've seen is like their impact, like you have to be able to play offense in the NBA, you know, but like their impact is defensively and then shooting. So like, that's why like Barnes still has a lot of value. It's why Wagner still has a lot of value because like they really can defend well. And then if you bet they can shoot, you know, they're still worth super high picks. Murphy, he obviously can shoot. If you think he can, you know, be a top two defender on your team at some point, he's worth the pick. So that's why I may be lower on guys like Garuba and Shangoon because it's like I don't feel like you'll ever be able to do more than one of those things competently, either mm-hmm. legitimate defensive, you know, playmaker or legitimate shooter at that size. And you know, Jalen Johnson, Kai Jones, that's why they're either very high or very low is you either really think Jalen Johnson can shoot or you really don't. 
and the defense isn't going to come around either. Kai Jones, again, same thing. You you think he's really going to shoot, really going to play good defense. He's a top 10 pick. You don't think he's going to do one or either of those things. You can't take him in the top 20. You know, it's like those these guys, like they have to be really, you know, phenomenal defenders. And they have to be able to shoot to really maximize their value. Like the playmaking, obviously, it doesn't really fall to these guys. If they can, cool. But, you know, I mean, that's why Scotty Barnes is like, he's cool. But maybe that playmaking doesn't quite matter as much for someone like him. Yeah. I mean, we've seen that, like you said, with Ben Simmons quite a bit. And that, that... We, we like skilled bigs. We do like skilled bigs, but you, it, you, we want you to be skilled on both ends of the court. Yeah. And yeah, that's the thing. Even with like a guy like Jokic, is maybe one of the most skilled NBA centers ever. Like he still is kind of in the right spot at the right time on the defensive end. It's not he's like he's going to be competent there. Right. It's not like he's, you know, getting blown up on the defensive side of the ball every single possession. He may occasionally get roasted in a pick and roll, but it's he's usually around the rim and in the right spot at the right time. And, it, and to your point, yeah, like skilled big men, like everyone, I think last offseason was freaking out because the Lakers won with two big men, essentially. They had one of the best skilled big men in the league, if not the best. Yeah, with Anthony Davis and you had LeBron James. Right. So it's not like, yeah, two big men can win you a championship. And we saw kind of the swing in the other direction. It's kind of fascinating. It'll be interesting to see. We usually see like a big man go early and it sounds like it's going to be Evan Mobley this year, but like how many more big men? Cause there was a huge disparity in one of the drafts of like, there was one center taken and then it wasn't until like late first, second round that another center was taken. Right. Was that last year's draft? Was that, it doesn't even feel like this past year happened. I'm not even going to lie. I know it but seems like- so far away. I don't even remember. Like the draft. I know the season's all wonky in my head now. I don't know what day it is. <laughs> um, that's the thing. It's like if the center like can't, you know, I think teams are just realizing like they have to be able to do more than just like score around the basket. Yeah. You know, we saw it in the, you know, we talked about the Bucks. Let's talk about the Suns for a moment. When DeAndre Ayton was good and, you know, short rolling, catching, you know, hitting jump shots, Suns looked darn near impossible. We talked about when we wrapped up the finals. They made DeAndre Ayton look like rookie DeAndre Ayton those last, Mm -hmm. like, three games. What we mean by that is, like, he wasn't ever comfortable touching the basketball on offense. And defensively, he was just kind of being big. Like, there wasn't (laughs) really much else to his game. Like, I know you're trying to guard Giannis, and it's like, that's ridiculously hard. But got him in foul trouble, just kind of went at his chest and said, like, you know, we're not scared of you just being big. Right. So that's why you've got to provide value in multiple different ways as a big man, even though you don't touch the ball a ton, you have to be able to know what to do when you have it. And on defense, like you have to be able to do more than just stand in front of the rim, at least like a little more, or you better really, really make up for it. Like Jokic does. I also wonder if, you know, we've seen teams stray away from offensive rebounding, like, just go away from it almost entirely 
I also wonder in one of these drafts, like big men slash offensive rebounding kind of has to recover at some point, right? You know, maybe I, it's not going to shock me at some point if that does happen. This is probably not the draft for it, mm. but you know, I don't know if you told me Alperin Shangun like was a really talented offense rebounder, or Usman Gruba was a really talented like hustle offense rebounder. Like I get it, but I guess it's still to the point of like that provides some value. As I don't know, does that send a guy from number twenty-two on your draft board up to number ten? No, probably, probably not. not. You know, maybe it moves him from 24 to 19, something like that, you know. All right. Um, We'll talk about some late first-round options, maybe early second-round options. Um, Run through these a little faster. So, JT Thor out of Auburn, uh, 6'9", 6'10", intriguing left-handed player, um, can shoot. It's not the prettiest shot, but it – it goes in actually quite a bit defensively, not a five, but he is a good like weak side shot blocker has shown a little handle potential. Um, if you take him, you're taking a massive bet on him, but there's a lot to work with there. Um, again, hard to find six, nine guys who can, you know, shoot it and protect the rim. Kessler Edwards representing Pepperdine. Uh, well, waves or whatever they are. I don't even know. Who cares? <laughs> um, it's Pepperdine. Sorry. But I really like Kessler Edwards. Um, another one of these six, eight, you know, three, four guys um, went to the combine. Really, really talented um, defender of all the guys who played. Like Scotty Barnes didn't play in that. Garuba wasn't there because he's in Spain, obviously. But Edwards was probably the best. Um, defender at the least the best perimeter defender out there all day um consistently i mean he would switch onto point guards he would you know defend bigs he was another guy who really showed i can defend multiple positions you know straight up or on twitches three-point shot you know went in a lot at pepperdine so he's not going to do a ton for you off the bounce but you know he is the three and D player of maybe the draft. It feels like he is that guy. Um, average 17 and seven um, average a steal and a block per game shot 49% from the field, 88% from the line and 38% from three. There's a good basketball player there. He's not dynamic. He's not a super athlete. He's just a good basketball player who mm. knows his role, does his job. Um, at times for Pepperdine would take over at other times. Um, they had a point guard there who was third school's all-time leader in scoring and assist named Kobe Ross might get a second round draft pick. Probably not, but, um, he would defer when needed and play off of him. He's a willing screener. He can play without the ball. I, I like Kessler Edwards a lot. Again, some team's going to take him at like 29 and be like, you got a really good player here. He's our mm-hmm. eighth game, you know, tomorrow. So, I like him. Um, not a flashy guy, but a, a good player. Herb Jones, kind of the same thing, played at Alabama. You know, one of the catalysts for that team being very good this year. Um, his big thing was obviously very talented defender at like 6'8". Another one of these switches everything, can guard everybody. 
actually has some playmaking ability. Um, but the three point shot is really the swing skill had not shot the ball. Well, his first three years at Alabama kind of came around this last year though. Um, for Herb Jones, which a lot of people were really excited to see um, because he was always kind of repped as like a very good uh, player, good dude, but the shot just didn't go in consistently this year on still fairly limited volume, only took 57 threes this year, but he shot 35%. So he took about the same number of threes his first three years as he did this past year at Alabama. So mm-hmm. I think he took like 63s his first three years. Took 57 this year. So, you know, it. if you the think... The confidence though, is there. Yeah. So if you think he's a really good defender, the three-point shot, if you think it's real and you think he at least knows how to make the right pass, the extra pass, all that good stuff, again, similar to Kessler Edwards, just bring him into your team. He's, he's going to stick. He's going to be a good guy. He's going to be a good player. And it's hard to find six, eight guys who can legitimately defend, you know, one through four at the NBA level. Mm. And he can do that. Um, keep going. couple more names out here. Um, some youngins. Isaiah Todd, another G League player. He was like a, at one point like a top five recruit. He was going to go to Michigan. Late opted out, went to the G League. It, his thing was he was like he was the number one player in that class recruiting wise, like growing up, like well above Cade and others. Eventually other players height wise caught up to him, skill wise caught up to him. His junior, senior years didn't really seem like he put the work in, to be honest. Mm. Went to the G League, kind of found himself the back half of their season there. Um, didn't start for them just because of the way their team was composed, but got a lot of run um, by the end. 6'10", long frame. Again, if he thinks he's Kevin Durant, he's going to burn out late here in a couple years. But if he's really going to buy in um, defensively, which he really started to there towards the end of the G League season, there's a lot of potential there because he's a tall, I think left-handed, remembering right, um, player can shoot. Like, he can shoot. Um, It's just you got hit you need him to buy into all aspects of the game and actually working on it. But if you think you can do that, there's rumblings that he could go as high as like the Rockets. Cause they have those like 23 and 24 mm. that they the pick on him. Maybe he does end up falling to early second round, but I can't see a world where too many teams let him pass like 35, 36 on draft. Mm. And then um, to to traditional bigs because Todd's kind of a four with if the skill really develops, he could be a three, three, four. If it doesn't, but the defense does, he could be a four or five. He's kind of a weird one, but two traditional bigs more so. They are on chart from UNC, the fourth Mount Verde Academy player there with <laughs> Cunningham, uh, Moody, and Barnes. Um, played at UNC. Again, kind of gotten some of a similar situation to. Um, other guys did um, like Kai Jones where they had so many bigs they like they had four mm. legitimate centers at USC and were playing two of them at all times or UNC and we're playing two of them at all times not a lot of space to work um, he's lost a lot of weight like in a good way he's down to like 260 
really looking good now. He played this year more like 280 plus. Um, again, all the workout videos look incredible. Looks like he should be a top 10 pick. On the basketball court, didn't shoot the ball at all at UNC. Maybe it's a UNC thing. I don't know. But smooth player. Um, moves well. Can pass a little. Didn't see it a ton because, again, UNC, not quite their style, not their system. You're betting that he just didn't get to see a lot this year. Um, or he didn't get to show a lot this year. So, mm. again, could be in that mix at those Houston picks. Could fall similar to Isaiah Todd into the mid-30s. Wouldn't be shocked either way. There's a there's an NBA player in there. But I, I guess I don't know what he does great right now mm. he's not a great shot blocker he's a good rebounder again maybe he is a great rebounder again the whole unc two centers thing took away from it a little bit maybe he's not a great scorer he's not a great shooter he's not a great passer he's just kind of like good at a lot of things which again value but how much value is there for a 6 11 260 pound big man who's just kind of good at stuff know at a college level maybe an nba level it's fair hard to project um and then the last guy is isaiah jackson from kentucky he's out of all this group he's the one that i really disagree with probably the most on like where he's projected at i'm not a top 20 guy on isaiah jackson Mm. everyone thinks he's locked to the thunder at like 16 or 18 because he shut down workouts and so everyone just assumes the thunder shut him down um maybe he said he wasn't gonna stay in the draft legitimately if he wasn't gonna go in the lottery so maybe he's got a lottery promise maybe washington at 15 i don't know i'm not trying to take him above like 25 at this point Mm. i think i think i'm more in that 25 to 35 range again it's kind of the day on sharp thing i don't know if he can play offense Mm. like at all um he says, I didn't get to show a lot at Kentucky because it wasn't my job. It wasn't my role. Whatever. I don't know. The free throw shooting looked bad. It, he never takes jump shots. He's a super athlete. He really is. But he's also very thin. So mm. it's like you notice of all these guys I list here, the only one that's like very thin is Isaiah Todd, aside from Isaiah Jackson. But Todd can really shoot. Yeah, or a little thin, but he can shoot. Like, there's much more to his game. Isaiah Jackson, I don't think he can shoot. I just, I just don't buy it. So, because even he doesn't, he hasn't even put out like the workout videos that like Dayron Sharp does. Like, it's like you're not even trying to hype yourself up as a shooter. You're just saying you can do more. Maybe he can. I don't know. I, <laughs> Is there a like, Mo Bamba chair situation going on here? You know, he he feels like a pick and roll dive man. Mm. I don't trust him with the ball otherwise. And then defensively, I think he, he wants to block a lot of shots. He's also going to foul out of just about every single game. So, I don't know. If you think you can actually teach him how to play defense and not just jump for shot blocks, you know, mm-hmm. maybe there's more there. That He's not my type of player. I'm not for running jump big men who can't play offense. That's just mm-hmm. me. You right. know, if you're just going to chase blocks – cool that's what Hassan Whiteside does I think everyone knows what we think of Hassan Whiteside so <laughs> at least Hassan Whiteside 7'2 
250. Yeah. Isaiah Jackson's like 6'10", 210 at most. It kind of sounds know? like a Montrez Harrell situation almost. Montrez is much more skilled. Mm. I mean, he developed that though, you know. Right. Um, as opposed to Isaiah Jackson. And maybe Jackson does get there again. He's young. He's like 19. Mm. He's maybe in a different draft, he goes higher. To me, there's just more players I'd much rather bet on than him. Mm. I would much rather bet on JT Thor. I'd honestly, I think I'd just rather bet on Isaiah Todd at this point, too. Um, than him, I'd rather bet on Usman Gruba. I'd rather bet on Kai Jones if we're just talking about centers. There's just other guys I'd rather go with here. And to be honest, center is just not a great position of need in the league right now either. So, you know, you're also kind of playing at a slightly devalued position. So if you could shoot and play some four, it'd be different. But I think that's kind of where I'm at with Isaiah Jackson. I don't know, Mm -hmm. maybe he has a Kentucky thing going for him. No one at Kentucky gets to show what they can actually do. Yeah, I was about to say, I mean, that's what happened to Bam, right? And he kind of unlocked this, like, I don't know, offensive guy. You could run some offensive stuff through. Yeah. Um, I just – Bam was also, like, 240 coming out. like, filled out and kind of taller. And a much better shot blocker. Much better, like, actual defender. Mm. Yeah, there Mm. was a much higher base to work with with Bam than Isaiah Jackson. So, I don't know. Maybe I'm way off on this one, but I don't feel like it right now. It's kind of those wait and see things, right? Like yeah. it's kind of hard to project a guy like that. But you're right; it doesn't. Being six ten and two hundred pounds playing center is usually doesn't work out in the league. Like think about, like that's what like Poku's built as. Yeah. <laughs> not center. Like, yeah. You know, but Poku can also dribble. Yeah. And maybe shoot. I don't know. And right. kind of do some weird passing things. Anyways, um, Matt, there's a lot of just some names in this group. What, like what swings team to spend, you know, late first round, your projections for most of these guys, late first round, early second round pick on these guys. So this is hard because a lot of these guys, like if I look at like my board, like who they're around, like, or I might have them higher than it's like, I actually think the other guy's a better basketball player. Like if they're a guard or a wing a lot of the time, Mm. but I can't teach a guard or a wing to be six foot nine. Right. You know? So at some point you have to bet on these guys, you know, someone's going to hit some of these guys like Kessler Edwards. It's like you come from a small school or Herb Jones. You had a limited role. JT Thor, you had a limited role. Isaiah Todd, you had a limited role. You and you know, Dayron Sharp, you had a limited role. Um, Isaiah Jackson, you fouled a lot, so you had a limited role. Um, you're betting that there's just there's more there and you can't teach the height, you can't teach the natural athleticism that comes with it. Mm. And it's development. You better like really either believe in your, you know, coaching staff or your G League program to develop these guys, but you can't teach it. You can't teach that skill so of being tall and big and athletic. So it's worth taking a pick at some point, especially because these are, you know, we're talking about who's drafting in that range. These are either playoff teams or if we're talking early second, it's teams that are just looking for projects. So it's like the perfect range to take some of these guys in. But like when you're talking 20, 
18, you know, 14. These are guys, these are teams who still need like legitimate help and big upside or, you know, immediate help. And maybe these guys don't do that either. So that's kind of the idea there. Um, so we'll just throw out a handful of other names. Not that we're really going to spend time on them, but just throwing them out there. Interesting um, guys, probably more late second, mid second, but worth mentioning. I don't know. Maybe some of these guys could go early second round. Um, so most of these guys are college guys. We'll throw one more international out there. Ryan, just to keep tradition going, do you want to try this international name, this Belgian big man here? Renz? Yeah. Belgianberg. <laughs> Not even close. Re- representing um, Blindberg. But you, you got to be kidding. That is bull crap. <laughs> There's a J in there. <laughs> um, Blindberg. I know. I know. It's like so simple, too. <laughs> and you're like, it's dumb. Um, from Belgium, it's just, he's kind of Poku, like 6'10, playmaker, like uh, really swings it around. You know, he plays in Belgium. Mm. So it's like, what's the level of competition there? It's, I mean, it's fine. I don't know, like eighth best league in the world, something like that. But like, you know, so it's like, what does it look like at the NBA level? But, you know, it's kind of, you do some things with the ball in your hand. Um, you're interesting. You're definitely like a good little draft and stash type of mm-hmm. guy. Mm-hmm. And maybe in a couple of years, you're like, oh, that's a basketball, like that's an NBA player. Um, he's interesting. Um, I'll just, I'll go through the next uh, one. Namias Keta. Um, from Utah State. Um, yeah. Um, originally from Portugal. He's a massive human being. He's like 7'2", 280, 270. Um, he's gotten a lot better in his three years at Utah State. Can definitely pass. Kind of has a mid-range jump shot. Very good defender um, around the rim. Someone like the Bucks or someone's going to find a way to grab him. And we're going to look stupid for not having him higher. Because he, he would play their system well. Mm-hmm. Um Luca Garza, National Player of the Year at Iowa. I mean, he he was an incredible college player. I don't know if he's going to work in the NBA. I actually have him as like forty ish. Like, like I I think he's worth taking a chance on in the early second round. Um, thirty eight, thirty six, thirty four, somewhere in there. He's lost weight. He looks a lot more athletic. He like his NBA combine numbers aren't great, but he wasn't worst. He was not the worst. Um, so honestly, that's a pretty significant step higher than I thought he was going to be. And he actually can really shoot the basketball. So if you think there's some backup stretch five potential there, that's, that might be worth an early second round draft pick. He's very good at offense. And if he can be passable ish enough on defense, it might have something there. Listen, Um, if Frank Kaminsky from find a way to the NBA finals, I'm sure this guy can get some serious NBA time. I, I, if you're going in that vein, then yes. Um, Jericho Sims and Greg Brown, both out of Texas. Jericho Sims, a multi-year guy there. He's kind of the ultimate rim runner, shot blocker. He's kind of the point of like, why I'm also not so high on Isaiah Jackson. It's like, I can draft Jericho Sims at 40, 45. And I'm probably going to get the same player as Isaiah Jackson. Cause I assume neither of them are doing much on offense besides, you know, apps. so you know, but Jericho Sims is a body. Greg Brown is kind of the tantalizing one. 
big five-star recruit, 6'10", power forward. He thinks he's like a two-guard. <laughs> that I, I, yeah, I don't, I'm not here for him. I, I have him like as not a second round draft pick. I have him at like early undrafted, but mm. someone's going to draft him. I just know it. And it's good luck. You know, he dunks, he shoots threes and that's it. He can't do anything else and he doesn't even shoot well. So, you know, good. Again, in theory, the body looks incredible. looks like he should be an NBA player. The athleticism is legitimately great. Mm-hmm. He, again, if he wasn't 6'10", if he was 6'4", he wouldn't even get a look at the NBA. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of that same vein of what we talked about a couple minutes ago. Um, the last guy is EJ Onu. Just want to throw him out. Um, shout out Shawnee State University. Um, you know what level of basketball that is, Ryan? Um, division one, <laughs> division three A or something like that. NAIA. Ah, uh, yeah, that sounds right. So he's seven two, two fifty, seven nine wingspan. <laughs> this shot doesn't look great, but he shot forty percent from three on like legitimate attempts on this past year. Third, again. You can't teach that frame. (laughs) Um, Legitimately blocks a ton of shots because he's obviously massive and he moves actually pretty well. Not a switch guy, but like, you know, general movement. Like he's not like this big plotting guy. Mm. Someone's going to bring him either as a late second on a two-way or it's kind of like a taco fall thing, you know, Mm. but he he moves much better than taco fall ever did. So, and he can, he can at least stand and shoot. So if you think there's real potential there, he's a senior on there. There was talks he could go back and transfer up to Division One. decided not to. Again, I wouldn't be shocked if someone 50 to 60 brings him in, drafts him, effectively signs him to a two-way. Just a very tantalizing, you know, like that. You, you don't find that build of guy with some actual – kind of skill um, mm-hmm. very often he went to the g league combine um was okay you know but it's like he's never played against that level of competition before so again he's going to need a year or two but if you ha- if you have a great g league program take him mm-hmm. and figure it out later and if he doesn't work cool you're probably not getting a lot of value out of number 54 anyway right but that's a guy like I would want to like just, you know, I'm going to make sure I'm going to bring him in and Mm. get some more eyes and looks at him over the next year or two. And if he's not an NBA player, cool. You know, go overseas. Right. Right. So that was the last guy worth mentioning for our forwards and big man NBA draft preview. That's it. That's, I mean, that's all of our draft preview. Now we get to just react to drafts stuff which is gonna be incredible um what so it feels like there's gonna be a lot of trade or movement in this draft that's what we're hearing that's what everyone's saying if i set the under over at like five and a half trades are you taking the under over for the first round yeah 
and the Memphis one doesn't count? Memphis one does not count. Oh. I'm talking like draft day, so Thursday. So if we're thinking, I, I don't think anyone's trading up into the top four. Mm. I don't think any of those teams are going to go for it. Mm. Uh, but if you think OKC is going to do something with the late picks, there's one. Yep. You think Golden State's going to do something? There's two. Maybe three. Gonna... Maybe three, yeah. depending if they split up 7-14. Seven, seven, oh, apparently Houston wants to package their two picks to move up. The New York apparently wants to package their two picks, 19 and 21, to move up. There's four. So we're just betting on two more random ones, effectively. Right. I'll take the over. Mm. Mm. There's going to be some other one, and then, like, one right at the end. Like, someone's going to trade up to number 29, you know, because they're like, why not? We want to secure this guy, and the team's going to trade back and be like, we don't have a guaranteed deal anymore. You know, we're picking 33 now. Right. Now it's a two-way contract or whatever. Um, yeah, a non-guaranteed deal, something that's not guaranteed money. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm I'm pumped. I'm pumped. This is obviously a fun time of the year. A fun time where we get to speculate, hit the trade machine again, move some draft picks around, see if any actual players are traded. Yeah, like actual NBA players. Yeah. Um. The whole Brad Beal situation is going to be fascinating to play out since he's playing in a like a international competition right now, and like, does he request a trade? And like, the Wizards are trading away Bradley Beal. Like, I I, I can't imagine Tommy Shepard in that Wizards front office going into Thursday. Like, what if Brad Beal? Like, you kind of have to pick with assuming Brad Beal is not going to be on your team, right? I think so. You know, they're at 15 in this draft. The thing is, like, again, Brad Beal, in theory, is enough to get you into the top four of mm-hmm. this draft. I don't know if that's what it takes to get Toronto's pick or what. But I maybe, may, maybe, maybe Toronto's like, yeah, we'll do four. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You, you're probably going to have to do some sort of money thing, though, too. I don't know if it ends up working out. Signing trade Gary Trent. But, you know. I, I don't see that. I, but I can see Brad Beal moving other ways. Yeah, it's it's all going to be fascinating to watch and uh, see how it all shakes out. Matt, thank you, as always, for the fantastic draft analysis. Your big board uh, is always incredible to watch from my end because I just check on it every so often, and it just, like, magically changes. But you still have, always like, big. what's it's that? My big board, it's always big. It's always big. What's uh, how many how many players did you did you have on your board? If you include guys that are like eventually decided to like go back to school yeah. and everything at some point, um, at probably some point like 170 players plus popped up on, like not at one time, but like at some point or another popped up on the board. It's crazy. It's crazy. Decide to go back. Well, uh, congratulations! You've done it another year in the books and now we get to do all the fun stuff so um thank you so much for listening to episode 118 we will back be back for episode 119 and reacting to the nba draft we'll see you then yeah.